Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. Thanks for taking the time to join me this week and every week as we explore the many and varied paths that make up the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank my wonderful Patreon sponsors. I've put a link in the show notes if you'd like to sponsor me to help keep the show on the road. Special thanks to Kate and Tom, who joined me as patrons this week. I watched a film this week called It's a Lovely Day in the Neighbourhood about Fred Rogers. Now, Australians don't really know who Fred Rogers is. He hosted a long-running children's television show in the United States. He was known for his compassion and his message of kindness and tolerance. And he taught a lot of children to love and to care and to be better children. Mr Rogers is played by Tom Hanks. The movie, based on a true story, is about a hard-nosed journalist from Esquire magazine who's sent to do a profile piece on Mr Rogers. The two become close friends, an unlikely bond, the cynical and often angry writer, and the caring and gentle and loving Mr Rogers. The writer is in turmoil, fighting with his father, carrying his grief like an albatross around his neck. Mr Rogers invites him to lunch and they're sitting in a small restaurant, And a moment they shared together really touched me. And it's something I've spoken about here before. The people who shape us, who had a hand in creating us. That was right. You love people like me. What are people like you? I've never met anyone like you in my entire life. Broken people. I don't think you were broken. I know you are a man of conviction. A person who knows the difference between what is wrong and what is right. Try to remember that your relationship with your father also helped to shape those parts He helped you become what you are. Would you do something with me, Lloyd? It's an exercise I like to do sometimes. We'll just take a minute and think about all the people who loved us into being. I I can't do that. They will come to you. Just one minute of silence.
Thank you for doing that with me. I feel so much better. Thank you for taking the time just now to think about those who helped shape you. And it's a very powerful message we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. The Camino is a pilgrimage, and a pilgrimage is a journey, and a journey is a joy, a gift you give to yourself and to those around you. Spare a thought for the billions of people around the world less fortunate than you and me. How lucky we are to have the means to even consider this adventure. How blessed we are to have the opportunity to travel the blessing of good health, a strong back to carry our packs. I was reminded of the fragility of life this week when I heard an Australian man had died on the Camino. I didn't know him and only became aware of the story when one of his family posted in a Facebook group hoping to find details of his final hours. We are fleeting, you and I, passing swiftly in the greatest passage of time. Any opportunity to slow one's journey, to allow a perspective to try to take in as much as possible, is an opportunity worth grasping with both hands. El Camino de Santiago. The most popular Camino is what's called the Camino Francais, which winds its way from Jean-Pied-de-Port in the Basque Country, over the border from France into Spain, and on to Pamplona, Burgos, Leon, and eventually to Santiago de Compostela. Pilgrims arrive in the majestic town square in the heart of the old city. They've arrived. I read an article this week saying this year has already been a record year for the number of pilgrims arriving in Santiago. So maybe it's a good idea to be a spreadsheet pilgrim. A little bit of planning might go a long way in 2022. COVID-19 was a stick in the spokes for so many of us. Now we're hopefully past all that. It's time to fill your backpack and get walking. Well, my guest this week has produced a documentary about his pilgrimage, Mi Buen Camino, the place where everyone becomes your brother and sister. I watched it this week. It touched me deeply. We have much in common, as you will discover. It was produced, directed and stars Dr. Jack Kernan, who's on the line from New Jersey. Welcome, Pilgrim. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited that uh, that you reached out. Yeah. So looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your waylaid plans because your Camino was delayed by COVID. Yeah, it really was. It was interesting. I, um, you know, I, I guess like a lot of people, um, I had heard about the Camino by watching uh, the movie The Way with Martin Sheen, which came out, I guess, about 10 years ago. And um, as soon as I uh, found myself watching the movie in the movie theater, I turned to my wife and said, I'm doing this. <laughs> and that was back in, uh, I guess, 2011, 2012 timeframe. And like so many things in life, um, you know, life kept getting in the way. Um, my wife and I did a lot of caregiving for her parents uh, and then my parents and one of the things that always seemed to get in the way uh, was the worry that if I tried to go away for, you know, call it 35 to 40 days, mm. uh, what if mom, um, you know, would pass? Because at that point, just my mom was alive. Both of Jean's parents were still alive. That's my wife, by the way. Um, and I wasn't willing to take uh, a gamble with that because I know what I would do um, if I, uh, you know, got a call from my wife that um, that mom had passed, uh, I wouldn't have to think twice about it. I'd hop on a plane and, and of course, uh, not finish the Camino. So um, 
it, it, it looked like it was all, you know, all, uh, <laughs> you know, blue sky ahead after mom passed in November of 2019. And I had promised her I was going to do it. And she yeah. said, Jack, you've got to do it. And I said, OK, mom, I am definitely going to do it. Um, and then, of course, when, um, uh, you know, COVID hit, the plans that I had had to do it in May of 2020, uh, you know, ha- had to get postponed. So um, very fortunate to get it in in uh, last September and October. You were inspired by the movie The Way, as you say, because it touched a nerve in you because your older brother, Dennis, died just before he turned 20. Now, that was back in 1972. Yeah. Would you be happy telling his story? I, I, I have, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful um, that you've asked the question because um, he really was a big influence on my life. A yeah. lot of us who have an older sister or an older brother, um, you know, they sometimes you don't realize in the moment um, how important they were uh, in shaping your values, uh, in shaping your trajectory in life. Uh, and my brother and I were super close. We went to the same Catholic uh, grammar school, Catholic high school. Uh, I wanted to be just like him. And unfortunately, um, in uh, April of 1972, uh, while a sophomore at St. Joe's University in Philly, um, he just dropped dead. Um, and, you know, when you think about it, uh, a sudden unexpected death um, is, 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 is just as unusual today as it was back then. But what made it really, really hard, uh, for me and my family, uh, was ultimately never finding, uh, what the cause of Dennis's death was. And as I've learned in my spiritual journey, talking to a lot of priests, uh, a couple of therapists, you know, you can find out why someone dies, but at the end of the day, it doesn't bring them back. Uh, and it doesn't uh, change the fact that as a result of their loss, you have to figure out a way of moving forward in your life. And uh, that was a real challenge for me, yeah. um, you know, for many, many years. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, too, because um, April 20th, 2022 uh, just happened. That was the 50th anniversary of my brother's passing. And my younger brother, Matt and I, who were very close, Matt and I, uh, do what we always do on every April 20th. We, um, you know, we celebrate his life by going to mass. Uh, we go out to uh, his favorite eatery at the time, and then we go to the uh, cemetery and we just regale all the great memories that we had. But um, it was a very, very painful period uh, for our family. Um, it changed a lot of our trajectories. And I, I think one of the things I'm very outspoken about is how important it is today that when you you know when you suffer a loss, uh, how important it is to try to grieve the loss and seek these great bereavement groups um, and other grief groups that can really help you tap into how you're feeling and help you uh, move forward uh, in in that grief journey. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you about that because there are parts in the documentary where you deal with it and speak very openly about it, and it's it's clear that you are still tending to that wound. And it's yeah. it's quite extraordinary, actually, the, those moments in there because they will resonate with so many people who've been through what you have been through. There's actually a beautiful moment in the film where you take footage of yourself and you're reflecting on memories. And the Camino, Jack, is wonderful like that. It provides space, doesn't it, for memories to drift back to us because we're sort of out there all day and it's the crunching of the gravel under our feet. Tell us about Al's and Harry's. <laughs> oh, 
And I'm so glad you asked me about that. Alison Harry's was this great, um, it was what we call uh, in our day a confectionery. So it had a little bit of everything. It had magazines, newspapers, had lots of candy. Uh, and they had counter service. So you could go in there and get breakfast. You could get lunch. Uh, and uh, this one particular day, uh, my dad, who was a Catholic, but he always used to kid us. And he said, uh, you know, RC doesn't stand for Roman Catholic for your dad. It actually stands for a retired Catholic. And that was one of his great jokes over the years. And we would always laugh. <laughs> but <laughs> one day we're, uh, we're, we're going to mass and, you know, my mom and, and, and my two sisters back home think, well, yeah, the two boys and, and dad are going to mass. And as we, uh, you know, parked the car, uh, Alison Harry's was a half a block away from the church. And he turned to us and he just said, uh, guys, um, we're not going to go to mass today. We're going to go for breakfast at Alison Harry's. But please don't tell your mother and father. And please don't tell your mother. And so, <laughs> well, we never told mom until later, later, you know, later years. Um, and it was always a source of great joy whenever you know, we we uh, brought up that story uh, because it was just uh, something about our youth that was that was just just a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's a great story. And then there's another moment where you look into the camera and you tell a story of your mother. You were very very close, and you were there when she passed away. A lovely yeah, she took it, her final breath. That's a lovely thing for a son to be able to do. Well, thank you for, um, you know, for mentioning that. And, and um, my mom and I were very close. Um, and one of the very difficult things about Dennis's passing, um, and it helps explain my journey and, and why I'm so heavily involved in bereavement ministry. Uh, it's one of the main things that I do in my practice right now um, is help people grieve a loss um, is, uh, you know, you just you just can't really imagine um, in the moment, all the emotions and feelings that you have. And it's almost like you're questioning yourself, what am I feeling here? What, what's really going on with me? Why am I angry? Um, why am I uptight? Um, and, and just really having had an opportunity, um, you know, to kind of work through that over many, many years, obviously, has been very helpful. But my mother, my mother was a really special person. Um, she always brought out the best in each of us. She uh, had a great line when any one of us would ask her as we became, uh, you know, adults ourselves and parents and raising our own children. And we would say, Mom, how did you ever survive uh, the loss of, 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 of your oldest son? I, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult that was. And she would always have a great line. She'd say, well, you know, we had four other children to raise. We didn't have a choice. And that just really stuck with me. She was really uh, the glue that held us together in that difficult period. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that. And uh, she always just had a way of making you want to do your best. She always motivated you. She always um, really spoke to your inner self by by really, you know, getting you to really think about, well, what do I really want to do with my life? And um, and always giving it your best. And I'll, I think my brother and my two sisters would say the same thing about her mom. She was a she was a real lovely woman, and we miss her dearly. Yeah, there's a moment in the film where a Bible passage appears on the screen. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
It's a snapshot, really, Jack, of the man you hope will return from the Camino to your family, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the things I um, try to do with the film um, is is to really try to express um, not just in uh, the narration and in the film clips that I did show and and the photos and and obviously the, um, you know, the the, the scripture passages and other passages that I included was what was going through my mind in that moment. And in the first part of the Camino, um, and I think other people would probably say the same thing. Um, it's, it's, it's really physical and no matter how much training you do for it. And I did a lot of training. I mean, I really trained very hard. Um, but you know, that third and fourth day, the fifth day you're exhausted. Um, and you know, that biblical passage from Matthew is something that I always turn to <laughs> when I get really tired, <laughs> Because I sit there and I say to myself, well, you know, and I know I'm really tired, but I know the Lord is looking over me and he's going to help me get through this. And sure enough, I think what happens after, you know, in my case, maybe eight, nine days is, yeah, your body's tired, but your body's also getting stronger. Mm. Um, You're getting used to the routine. And then all of a sudden at a left field, (laughs) to use an expression in America, at a left field, all of a sudden you're like, why am I crying all of a sudden? Like I got all this emotion. So the physical really breaks you down um, in a way that um, I guess I, I was really surprised by. Uh, I wasn't ready for it. And man, then the emotional part of the, of the trip really set in. Yeah, you film yourself walking in the rain and you say, it's the perfect environment for reflection. Jack, let it go, let it all go. And there are times when you say, you, you are crying, you're trembling. And it's this realisation that you had hurt people through your life. You perhaps hadn't been the best version of you. So let me ask you, did you always know that sentiment was just beneath the surface, fully expecting to have to confront the reality one day? Or did the Camino surprise you, bringing to the surface a feeling that you hadn't necessarily anticipated? I think, uh, for me, the lesson in that part of the Camino... um, you know, I, I, I guess I wasn't surprised because in the past, every time I started to scratch how I really felt emotionally about some of the challenges I've had in my life, I wouldn't let myself go deep. You know, there's an expression, you know, as a professional coach, you know, we always try to get our clients to, to kind of go on, under under the surface, so to speak, you know, yeah. go deep, really explore. And I myself, for painful things, uh, I just didn't want to go there. Um, and I was, you know, I was afraid to go there, but there's something about for me anyway, on the Camino, um, I was able to really dig deeper in a way I had not done before. And I tapped into feelings. I probably knew I had, but wasn't willing to go there. But when you're there, a lot of time you're by yourself. You know, sometimes you're with other people, but for me, the most meaningful parts was when I was by myself, I let myself really tap into what I was feeling. And I just made a commitment. I'm going to speak into the camera in those moments and just let it all hang out. Whatever I'm feeling, I'm going to say to the camera, um, because I want people to know that that can be a really good thing for you. That can be a very healing thing for you. And for me personally, not, not just for me personally, but for me personally, also, it could be healing for 
some of the members of my family, my children, my wife, um, you know, things that they had not heard from me before in the hope that maybe that would help them heal as well. Wow. Tell us about alcohol. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You, you, you bring that up and I'm so glad that you did. Um, I just wrote a post about this just, Oh God, about a month ago. Um, you know, my, my thing with alcohol really started kind of as an experiment. It was really a Lenten experiment. Um, it, it was interesting in, um, January of 1990, the first of the year, January, 1990, my dad, uh, announced at a family gathering, <laughs> uh, just want to let everybody know, um, giving up drinking and dad was 65 and, you know, dad used to like his beer, um, never a problem. You know, he wasn't abusive or anything like that. He just, he liked his beer. And I just remember in that moment, um, that really resonated with me because one of the things I started to worry about for myself, we have a lot of family history, uh, with, uh, with alcohol on both sides of, uh, my family, my mom's my mom's family, my dad's family. And, um, at that time I, had a very demanding job, lots of travel, lots of pressure. Um, and I started to think, gee, you know, the only time I don't drink beer is when I'm not feeling well. And usually I'm feeling pretty good most of the day. So like, hmm, maybe I ought to think about this. And sure enough, January 1st, 1991, um, you know, a few months before my son was born, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I think I'm going to give up alcohol a little bit early. Lent doesn't start, you know, for a few more weeks. I think I'm going to give it a shot. And so a Lenten experiment uh, is now reached my 32nd year. Wow. <laughs> so I was pretty, pretty quiet about it. I didn't go through any treatment or anything. Um, but I was really, really motivated by both my dad, as well as my uncle Danny. My uncle Danny had given up uh, drinking about five years earlier than my dad did. And um, they were they were stalwarts uh, in, 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 in me growing up, and especially after my brother died. I always looked up to them, and um, I said, you know what? Maybe this would be good for me, too. And I knew, I knew I made the right decision when, on January 11th of 1991, 11 days into the experiment, my two daughters, they're really young at the time, five and three, they're singing happy birthday to their dad you know, on his 36th birthday, and my oldest daughter, Tara, she turns to me and she says, Daddy, aren't you going to have your beer? <laughs> so even at that point, Tara's five years old. She noticed that I didn't have beer. So I knew that hmm, maybe this is a good thing for me. Wow. And I've never looked I've never looked back. I'm very grateful that uh, that I had the strength to um, to recognize it. And um, and, and I'm, I'm still, you know, like I said, 32 years later, um, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much weight I would have gained. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. You decided to walk the Masetta alone. Why? You know, I, I did a lot of research uh, on this particular uh, part of um, of the Camino. And it was my understanding that a lot of people decided to skip the Masetta because it is kind of boring. Uh, it's very flat. Um, very, very long distances. Um, and if it's, if it's hot out, um, you know, it, it, it can be really uncomfortable. I got lucky, uh, because for several of the days it rained, uh, and even in the days it didn't rain, 
It was un, unseasonably cool, um, a lot of cloud cover. But I wanted to do it because I really felt as I was entering the Meseta, I had started to get below that surface. I had started to tap into those feelings that I knew I had to go there. Um, and like I said before, um, you know, part of me wanting to do this was to see if I could learn a lot about myself and see if I could come up with maybe a new way to approach my life um, when I got back to New Jersey. And fortunately that did come in the third part, the spiritual part. But I, I never had any qualms about the Meseta. Um, I said, you know what, I wanna do this because I think it'll be good for me. I think it'll force me to go places I never went to before, tap into that deep sense of self, let it out, really you know, feel whatever it is that's gonna come to the surface. And um, super grateful that, um, that that really did happen. And what's really beautiful about it too is that it leads right up to Cruz de Ferro, that beautiful part of the Camino, which I, I, I think as far as the movie, The Way is concerned, it was handled really beautifully. It's a very powerful moment. And I, I would encourage any of your listeners if they ever do do the Camino, um, you know, to, to make sure they take in Cruz de Ferro because it's just, it's, it's a magical part um, of the trip. Um, you have a chance to, um, you know, really talk to the Lord, uh, tell him about the burdens that you've been carrying. And it's very symbolic, but if you brought your rocks representing the burdens that you're carrying, you walk up to the shrine uh, you place the rocks at the foot of that altar. And for me, it was just, it was the best part of the trip. Uh, I mean, if that's the only thing <laughs> that happened, uh, that would have been okay. A lot of other good things happened. But for me, that was the highlight of my trip. I just felt so much lighter uh, as I started to walk uh, after after that part of the uh, after that part of the of uh, the morning. That's right. Yeah. And it's the, at that moment uh, where things really turn around for you. Oh, oh, what, I wanted to just ask you, in the film, you're seen kneeling on the can um, at yeah. the foot of the cross. You don't often see that. I've been there a handful oh. of times. You don't often see people kneeling and imagine you're praying. And if you were praying, what were you praying about? Well, I was, you know, praying to the Lord um, to forgive me for my transgressions, um, to tell you, I brought four rocks with me. I'll, I'll leave it with between me and the Lord what the four rocks were. Sure. <laughs> but asking him um, to, um, you know, basically help me leave those burdens uh, at the altar. And um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I talked to a lot of my priest friends about this in New Jersey because I do a lot of work in my parish as a trustee and I do a lot of work for the diocese that I'm a part of and, you know, I'm a trustee at, at Catholic Charities. And I'm just really amazed at the concept of forgiveness. And I, I really feel that most of us, we never forgive ourselves. We, we know that when we go experience reconciliation with the Lord in the confessional, um, the priest has the power to forgive our sins. God forgives our sins, but often we and the, and the person that we aggrieved has forgiven us, but for some reason we just don't want to forgive ourselves, and that's that's part of what I was seeking in that moment at Cruz de Ferro is Lord, I know you've already you've already forgiven me for these things I'm bringing up to you. Can you help me let go of them and forgive myself? 
forgiveness itself is really challenging for a lot of people. And um, uh, let's just say I'm 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 still trying. <laughs> wow, still trying to forgive myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you talk about your backpack and it being a metaphor for carrying too many regrets. Some of those yeah. behaviors you talk about. Yeah, to begin with. At first, I don't know about the rest of the journey, but you had your backpack transported for you. So I wonder if there was yeah. a message there that you weren't prepared to carry the weight of your emotions, your regrets and behaviours. <laughs> well, being at the time 66, I did have, um, you know, some health issues. You know, I have a, a stent uh, procedure uh, several years ago for my uh, main artery. So, you know, I, I wanted to you know, and of course it was still COVID. I mean, I was vaccinated, but I wanted to be super safety conscious, um, for both myself and for others that I, uh, interacted with. And so I thought, well, why don't I take advantage of, um, this, this great company, follow the Camino, let them take my bigger bag, uh, every day to the hostel or, um, hotel I'm staying at. And I'll just carry the smaller bag and usually a smaller bag, maybe it weighed seven or eight pounds. I had my iPad in there. I had camera equipment. I had a lot of water. I had my goodies, you know, that I got at breakfast, you know, like everybody packs chocolate, <laughs> got to have chocolate. Yeah, um, yeah. But, um, but to me, you know, even carrying seven or eight pounds, uh, it's, it's certainly not as challenging as carrying maybe 15 or 20 pounds. But to me, there's, there is a lot of um, imagery in that because we all carry stuff. And um, uh, I, 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 I just tried to use my own experience of some of the regrets and disappointments that I've had in my life um, yeah. as, as, as a metaphorical way of saying I've been carrying that in my backpack and I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to let this stuff go. And that was all part of the leaving the rocks at Cruz de Ferro, asking for the forgiveness of self um, and trying to lighten the load um, so yeah. that I can kind of move forward in the way I want to for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. There's a very, very moving scene when you talk about Dennis and you talk again into the camera. You say he was a great big brother. His death was the biggest loss in your life. And your faith yeah. teaches you that you'll see him again. And you say that you had big shoes to fill. He was always there for you, always teaching you. And actually, in the course of the research for this interview, Jack, I found an article you wrote a few years back, a sort of tribute to yeah. him, and it featured yeah. a, a letter that he'd sent to you from college, uh, handwritten, yeah. oh. and, and he's asking you about basketball. He says, hey, Jackie boy, send me your home and away program. I hope to get to one of your games. Yeah. That's a wonderful big brother, isn't it? Yeah, it really was. And, you know, being a, uh, I guess some would say I'm, I'm a grief and bereavement specialist, expert, whatever. Um, what I have shared with people, which, which I think people will relate to, if you have a death in your family, that's very significant and you're in your formative uh, stage of your life. So for me, I'm 17, I'm, you know, getting ready to be recruited to play basketball, you know, in college, a really big period of my life when all of this comes down. Um, and what you, I don't think recognize in the moment is that, your trajectory changes. Um, and in my case, I felt a lot of pressure. I felt pressure to fill his shoes. You know, he was the oldest. He was the first to go to college. So I felt that pressure. Um, and I, I felt like I, I felt like everybody was looking at me. Everybody was seeing, well, are you going to be up to the to the task? Are you going to be up to the to the pressure? 
And um, I didn't handle it very well. Um, I got very internal. Uh, I probably was angrier uh, more at that point in my life than I'd ever had before. Didn't know what it was. Of course, what it was is grief. That's a classic phase of grief is going through an anger and denial phase. Um, and and I, I just felt the weight of the world. And um, I, uh, I don't think I became aware of that until years later when I did do some therapy work and now being a professional coach, being very involved in bereavement work, I realized that what happened to me is what happens to a lot of people in that situation. Um, and th- th- I guess the only slight difference might be that, you know, here it is 50 years later, the grief I have is different. I still grieve him. We all still grieve people we lost many years ago. But for me, the grief is different. The grief is, gee, you know, we could have been grandfathers together. Um, You know, I never got a chance. uh, He never got a chance to meet my wife. He never got a chance to meet my children. Um, I never got a chance to meet his future wife, his children. So you grieve the things, not necessarily that you had together. It's all those moments in your life that you never had with him. So it's a different kind of grief. You've accepted the fact that the person's loss has has, has died and, and you're not going to see them again, but you still, yeah, you, you just feel like this burning in your heart. Wow. Boy, we could have done a vacation together. You know, he could have seen me graduate from college or there's all these moments that you just, you know, you, you grieve because you just didn't have them. Yeah, that's right. Duh. Yeah, that's right. Mm. You say the Camino provided you with a taste of heaven and what real life could be, like this scene from Field of Dreams. Is there a heaven? Oh, yeah. It's the place dreams come true. And you say that the Camino is a place where dreams come true. Well, your dream really in many ways was to be a better you. And you say in the film, I want to do better. I want to be there for the people in my life. How has that life been since you returned home? I actually, you know, it's, it's interesting you ask that question because I've, I've had that question asked to me a lot, particularly in the last month or so. I don't know why, maybe because it's, you know, seven or eight months since I did it. Um, I actually think... I'm doing really well. Wow. Um, and I'm, I'm a pretty tough critic, a pretty tough judge. Um, I, you know, I have a routine like lots of people have. Um, I go to mass every day. Um, and uh, one of the things that it's always in my, my prayer book every day is to basically let go of all the things that have happened in the past, um, to let go of all these anxieties I have of the future. And just to always remind myself that today, Lord, I want to be in the now. I don't know what's going to happen today. I mean, I have a schedule. I'm going to be meeting people. I want to be in the now with every person that I meet. Um, And if I can do that, then I'm going to be the best version of myself. And I'm going to ask the Lord to give me the strength uh, to make that happen. And I I do think I've gotten a lot better at not going back to my past, not you know, thinking about all the permutations of what may happen today, all the anxiety that that can somehow um, engender. I've gotten a lot better at just like, okay, you know what? It's two o'clock. I got a meeting at four o'clock. I'm just going to relax with this. I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to listen. I'm not going to judge. And um, we'll just take it as it comes. And so I'm 
very grateful for that because that that to me was the gift of the Camino. It was a gift that said, Jack, you're going to be 67 years old. Um, you, you, you know, you know your past, you know what you are always worried about. And you also know that you have like we all do. You know, we, we don't know the hour. <laughs> we all have limited time. Um, we're not going to know how much time we have. So why not really spend the time, the now time uh, as best you can? Um, and, and it's just been, it's been a, it's been a beautiful thing. I, I, I wish I did this earlier in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the kind of person, probably like a lot of people, I have lots of to do. I have a lot of to do lists. I get very anxious if I, you know, didn't get my, my, uh, you, you know, two things off the to do list and I added two more. I'm, I'm trying not to get all obsessed about that. I'm just sure. trying to focus on the people I meet on any given day and just being happy to be alive and be with whoever that person may be at that moment in my day. Wow. That's a great answer. You know, the footage of you at the cruise to Pharaoh is very moving. Um, and, oh, thank you. And then afterward you say the walk down into Molina Seca was, was just really difficult. And I've done it a couple of times. <laughs> I know how difficult it can be, but you look different in the closing stages of the film. You've lost weight, but your whole persona has changed. There's pictures oh. of you with pilgrims from around the world. So there's, there's, a, there's a glow in, 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 and an energy almost coming out of you. You can see it through the lens of the camera. What was it like to talk again after the silence and reflection of the Masetta, meeting pilgrims, as you say, from 17 countries around the world? What was it like to, to emerge? Well... I, you know, I, I think I had the good fortune of seeing a number of the pilgrims uh, continually throughout the 34 days. Um, and one of the cool things about that is, you know, you, you can in that conversation with the people that you met along the way, you can refer them to. Yeah. Remember on the fifth day or the fourth day when we first met and how do you feel now? And, you know, everybody feels uh, a sense of elation a sense of accomplishment. Um, but for me, what, what, what that segment of the documentary was really trying to uh, get across to people um, is that I find it interesting. Here it is. Nobody knows me. And the people that I met don't know me. And I found it very interesting that within two or three minutes of meeting somebody, you're walking on a trail, you're in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of Spain, but you're in the middle of nowhere. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm telling this person I just met why I'm doing it. Um, I'm being very forthright. I'm being very intimate, being very personal. I mean, I've known people back in New Jersey for 25 years who I don't share that kind of a conversation yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. There's something about the Camino that makes you open up to people in a very real way. Maybe it's because we all know we're there for a reason. Um, and we all came with the attitude of, you know, I'm going to try to figure things out and I'm not going to judge somebody if they haven't figured something out. So for me, that was the part of heaven that I was trying to refer to. You know, I met people from 17 different countries, a lot of them, um, you know, young, uh, com coming with, um, uh, you know, different gifts, different, different, different skill sets. And somehow in the, in, 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 in the, in the conversation that you had with them, you just felt really connected with them. You felt like you were sharing, um, you know, this this part of humanity 
that has been shared on the Camino for a thousand years because how many other pilgrims walked and walked for a similar reason is not really knowing exactly what they were supposed to do, but they wanted to try to find the Lord. They wanted to find purpose. They wanted to find meaning. And, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, you find it. And the challenge is when you get back to wherever you came from is to try to hold on to it. <laughs> and if you, if you let it go, then maybe you ought to come back again. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. One of the great realizations um, you talk about is just being grateful to have the opportunity to learn more about Spain's rich culture and history. Oh yeah. I'm, it's funny you say that because uh, God bless her. She's gone with the Lord now, but my, uh, my, my, my uh, Spanish teacher at Paramus Catholic High School, where I went to high school, I took uh, Mrs. Donahue for four years. I was an A student. Mrs. Donahue would not be very satisfied with my knowledge of Spanish. Because <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really, you know, with all these apps now, you, you can get by. But um, so many lovely people all throughout the experience um, helping you find your way, uh, pointing to a menu item. I, there were so many examples uh, during my 34 days there where for a brief moment I was lost, I made the wrong turn, and somebody helped me out without really speaking English, but just using hands and that kind of thing. Um, but that was uh, that was one of the best parts of the experience was just seeing uh, just the way people from Spain treat uh, their, you know, their, 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 their guests, you know, their, their, their pilgrims from all over the world. And you just felt so comfortable. I, yeah, it's funny too. I never felt, I never felt unsafe in any part uh, of the trip. And I had a little trepidation about that because again, you know, being 66, having some medical issues, a little worried about COVID never even had that concern. Yeah. People were so respectful um, of COVID protocols. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a non-issue for me. The sounds of Spanish life you talk about and you yeah. also, and the breathtaking landscapes. There's some wonderful footage in it, uh, in the film of you with these enormous landscapes behind you. That's, <laughs> and being in Galicia, when you see that, those rolling hills and the patchwork quilt of, of, of Spain. It's so beautiful, isn't it? It's exhilarating. It really is. It's like, uh, you, you almost feel like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm dreaming. Like, am I really experiencing this? This, this guy from New Jersey <laughs> by himself. And I'm up, you know, I'm, I'm at a, a I'm at a very high uh, elevation at that point in the trip. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I never, I used to travel to Spain, not a lot, uh, in my business career, um, but, you know, you're in for a meeting and, you know, you hop on a plane and you go back to the United States. It, it, it was just, it was really stunning to me, um, the beauty of the landscapes and just the different terrain and the favorite sound, I, my wife gets a kick out of this. Uh, my favorite sound was the sound of the cowbells. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when you were way up high, you'd hear the, you'd hear those cowbells and I don't know, it's just music to my ears, man. Yeah, it was, great. it was music to your ears. That music was ringing in your ears when you came to a realization that you no longer needed to scratch at the anxiety of the future. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's all about, right? Living in the now. Living in the now and, and, and staying in the now, right? Like, you know, your day is just starting. 
my day has still got a few hours left. And just like and the old Jack would be like, all right, tomorrow's uh, I got to do this, this and this. And I'm, I'm, I'm really trying not to do that. I'm really trying to think of, OK, mm. well, I got a few hours left in the day. I'm going to be with my wife I'm gonna be with my son. Um, maybe I'll see a neighbor. But just 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 trying to be grateful for, you know, right now, this moment, because I think as you get older, at least what I, you know, have said to some of my friends, you know, you have a lot of things you want to do. Right. Um, that's kind of your true north. Um, and then you have this thing called the clock and the clock seems to be ticking pretty fast. So it's a battle between, well, how much time do I have to do the things I want to do? Um, and you can't lose sight of the fact that, yeah, we're all going to probably leave this part of our life um, with a lot of things that we still want to do. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to waste these real moments that I have with people that I love um, and, you know, get sidetracked by by the kind of things I got sidetracked before in the past, like running to a me or, you know, OK, my kid wants me to do this, but you know what? I, I got to take that call. Um, you know, stuff like that really, I, I can't get that time back. Yeah. Um, all I can do is um, maybe be a little bit more aware that um, right now someone needs me and they may not want me to solve the problem because I'm a good problem solver. I had a good career being a problem solver. You know, sometimes you just got to sit and listen to whatever somebody's sharing with you validate what they're saying to you and just be good with that. Because if you can do that, you're going to really help that person. Um, a lot of times people share stuff with you. They want to vent. They're not looking for um, a solution. <laughs> they just want to get it out. Yeah. And I'm always, you know, my tendency has always been, all right, well, here are the three things you got to do. Here are the two things you got to do because I'm a problem solver. So that's been a real education for me. And in many ways, the the Camino was a gift in that regard. It's it's just this reinforcement of, Jack, this is the way you have to be. Just be in the now, be grateful that you have this time with whoever it is, and, you know, go on to the next now moment. Yeah. Yeah. How lovely. What a great thing to discover at <laughs> your age. It's, you kind of must be thinking now, gee, I wish I'd had this realization 25 years ago. But perhaps, oh, yeah. perhaps you needed to go through everything <laughs> that you've been through to lead you to now. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that too because you can spend a lot of time. You know that that would be regret, right? And one of my favorite doctors of the church is is Saint Paul because one of the things Saint Paul makes very clear is, you know, when you journey through pain, when you journey through regret, uh, disappointment, um, a dream that isn't fulfilled, that's what makes you who you are today. And I really think that all of those lessons that you learn through all of those challenging periods in your life really can be a gift, not only to yourself, but also in the way you interact with other people. Um, because I, I really think, and especially being a coach today, I see it with a lot of my clients. I think with what we're going through in the world today with, you know, COVID for the last two years, now we have a a major war going on in, in Ukraine, um, the level of anxiety that people are experiencing today is, is unlike anything I've ever witnessed in my life. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remind myself that, you know, if I meet somebody who's really anxious and really mad at the world, I, it's really good for me to just sit and let that person get it off their chest. Um, 
because people need to be heard. And a lot of times in the past, people have not been heard. And I haven't necessarily been the person who's heard what is being said to me. And I, I want to change that part of me. Wow. So that, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, easier said than done. <laughs> no, well, that, it is easier said than done, but I think an intention is a very good place to start. And yeah. there's a great part in the film where you say one of the great things about Spain is pretty much everywhere you go, there's a church in the distance. Oh, yeah. And it led you to discover that God is everywhere. And you say, and I really loved it, you said, you don't need to send a text message to God. Yeah. I'm simply yeah. going to talk to him. And just like sitting down to get something off your chest and you finding yourself to be a good listener, God is a good listener, isn't he, or she? God's always there, you know, and um, I think all of us, especially when we're struggling with something, we forget that he's there. And, you know, I mean, talk to him. (laughs) That's really remarkable about Spain. I don't know if other countries in Europe are necessarily like it. Probably Italy is to some extent. But I know, like, just it is so interesting that no matter what stage of, of the Camino you're on, you will see a church. Um, and it's it's just a great reminder. And I know there have been periods in my life where I should have talked to God before I made a decision. Maybe it would have been a better decision than the decision I made. Um, so for me, it's... Um, it was a really powerful moment uh, in my trip. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right now I'm, I'm sitting here in my office at home and outside my window is my parish, my, my church. I see the bell in the, in the distance and it's a very comforting thought. I sometimes I just sit in front of the church, just sit there and take it all in and uh, speak to God that way. But um, you don't need a church necessarily to speak to God. You can speak to God in your car you can speak to him in your, um, you know, you can kneel in front of the bed, um, you know, wherever. But I'm I'm really going to try to keep talking to him, especially when I'm challenged by something that I don't understand uh, or I don't understand why I'm feeling the way I am. Because yeah. I know he's going to listen to me and he's going to help me, uh, going to help me make the right decision. You're a classic overachiever. And you say in the film, <laughs> right, you missed moments you'll never get back. Yeah, yeah. Now, post Camino, you've had time to to go through, to process, I suppose, what you've been through in life and on the Camino, and now post Camino. How do you feel now, here, talking to me right now? Well, I, I feel really grateful, uh, first of all, that, you know, you would notice the film. Uh, I didn't know what to expect uh, when I posted it, because I, I, like I said in the beginning, I, you know, other than doing small little films for my family. Um, but um, I, I, I feel like I, I got something that is meaningful for the rest of my life. I really do. And I've had a great reception from um, my parish community, my diocesan community. I've been asked to give um, talks about it. Um, I think that the world really is looking for ways to, um, you know, find some type of spiritual meaning and maybe that's a good thing, because um, I think a lot of us go through life, um, you know, we're chasing money, um, we're chasing a job, a profession. Um, and it's it's nice to um, to have a spiritual perspective about why you're here um, and what's the end game. And so for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm focused on trying to 
take stock of my life, trying to change what I know I can change. You know, there's a great serenity prayer, you know, knowing the difference between the things you can control and those you can't control. Mm -hmm. And and it's a great metaphor for life. But for me, I want to be able to become the best version of myself and become the version of myself that God created me to be. I, I really believe that stuff. You know, I know that sounds hokey for some people, but I really believe it. Um, and if I can do that, then I did my job and maybe I can get a ticket to that place called heaven. Um, and that would be a beautiful thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, just experienced uh, two people this past week who were dear, dear friends of mine who passed. And um, just just a reminder that, you know, life is fleeting and you never know when your number's up. So do everything you can to be the person that that you want to be and, and the one that you think God wants to be and leave it in his, in his good graces. I wrote some notes while I was watching the documentary uh, and I've right at the bottom of the page, it says here, after all Jack went through across 34 days of the Camino, he made a commitment to live in the now, to fill the world with love, to be the best yeah. version of himself from day one to his last day. So what a blessing Jack for you and your family. It's been a, a real pleasure talking to you. Congratulations for having the courage to document your journey of discovery. It's a beautiful keepsake for you and your family to remember the commitment you've made to be a better you. I, I want to say good luck in your quest, but I have a feeling you're going to go from strength to strength. And can I just say, I'm certain Dennis would be very proud of you. Oh, thank you. And and yeah. let me finish by simply saying buen camino. Uh Wayne Camino to you, and thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. It was uh, really great to speak with you. And and again, thanks for uh, for watching it and asking all the great questions you did. And um, I look forward to uh, you know seeing what response you get. My guest this week was Dr. Jack Kernan, and you can find Jack's film, Me, Buen Camino, the place where everyone becomes your brother and sister by simply Googling Me, Buen Camino, M-I, Buen Camino. It's the first thing that comes up. I've put a link in the show notes if you'd like to sponsor me to help keep the show on the road. Again, special thanks to Kate and Tom, who joined me as patrons this week. Thanks for your company this week and every week. I'm going to leave you with a hymn I sang in church as a boy, and it features Matthew 11:28 to 30. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Come to the water, you who are thirsty Though you have nothing, I bid you come And be filled with the goodness I have to offer Come, listen, I spend your money on walking out feel the emptiness deep in your heart Listen to my word and you will enjoy goodness and peace in your heart Come to the water you are thirsty Though you have nothing, I bid you come And be filled with the goodness I have
to offer Come listen Just as the heavens are high above earth My ways and thoughts beyond you Call me your father and no one near I will be father to you Come to the water You who are thirsty Though you have nothing, I bid you come And be filled with the goodness I have to offer Just as the rain falls to water the earth Just as the seed becomes bread My word upon you can never return Until my longing is filled Come to the water, you who are thirsty Though you have nothing, I bid you come And be filled with the goodness I have to offer